But there are people in this world who put their faith, their trust in things that are not worthy of having that faith or trust. When it comes down to it, we are going to be judged for our faithfulness toward Jesus Christ. It's a type of faithfulness that begins when a person places their trust in Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life. And once saved, it's a type of faithfulness that remains in the faith, growing to maturity within the faith, understanding that Jesus Christ himself is faithful and always remains faithful. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Well, as you find your seats, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, as we have looked at the first three chapters of 1 Corinthians, we have discovered Paul reprimanding the Corinthian believers for dividing over preachers and teachers instead of uniting under Christ. Paul's going to have some more issues that he's going to deal with. He's going to jump on a hot topic of sexual immorality that was taking place within their church in chapter 5. And it almost seems like Paul takes a moment here to remind the Corinthians of his love toward them. He calls them my beloved children. And as a father to this church, he wanted to see that they succeeded in their faith, that they were growing in their faith. He had already declared that Paul himself was one who planted the seed of faith into their lives. Apollos, one who watered their faith. But when it comes to faith, there is only one true foundation that we can build our lives upon. And Paul reminds us that that foundation is Christ Jesus, our Lord. So it's not about the person who perhaps planted the gospel into our hearts or led us to Christ, or maybe the individual helped us to mature and grow in our faith. It's about God, and through his various apostles, his evangelists, his preachers, his teachers, they work together that they might bring us to unity, to maturity. And although 1 Corinthians is a letter of correction, here in chapter 4, Paul just reminds them that you are my beloved children. And we find Paul, I titled this, My Beloved Children, and we're going to look at today first point 
servants and stewards, verses 1 through 5. Secondly, we'll look at fools for Christ, verses 6 through 17. And finally, begotten through the gospel, verses 18 through 21. I would like you to stand one last time with me here. Well, I'm sure we'll stand again before the day's over, but we're going to read the first point. Servants and stewards, verses 1 through 5, I'll read, and you just follow along in your text, and then we'll open in prayer. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. Father, I pray that you would just open up your word to us today. Give us a greater understanding of your great love toward us, Lord, that we are your beloved. But also, Lord, the importance to walk in fellowship with you, to build our lives upon the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and to come to that place of maturity. Paul is writing a letter to a group of believers that he had helped bring to faith and he had some great concerns toward them. Many of the things that Paul addresses in these letters are issues that continue to take place in your church throughout the world today. So Lord, help us to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, to this church. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Servants and stewards. He says in verse 1, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ, and also stewards of the mystery of God. In verse 2, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. At the end of chapter 3, Paul named himself along with Apollos, and he also has mentioned, up to this point, he's mentioned Cyphus or Peter as well, to point out that in this world, in the cosmos, there is, as well as life or death, the things present to come, that all things fall under the authority of Christ Jesus, our Lord. And Jesus Christ falls under the authority of his Father God. And since we are all under the authority of Christ, Paul encourages the new believers to view Paul, Apollos, Peter, the other apostles as servants and stewards of God. This Greek word for servant here is... a word that refers to an under rower, uh, someone who is acting under the direction of a, another. So an under rower, we don't have ships that are manned, are powered by men as they did back then, but we have seen movies of such, no doubt. And you get this image of a slave in chains beneath the deck of a ship with oars in his hands and usually multiple uh, slaves on a single oar, but moving the ship through perhaps the Mediterranean Sea where they were in that region at that time. 
This is the type of servant that he refers to here. Pastor Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapel Movement, often reminded his pastors that we are not here to be served, but to serve others. And Pastor Chuck didn't invent that. In fact, it came from Jesus in Matthew 20, verses 26 through 28, who said, Yet it shall not be so among you. When talking about how the Gentiles lord over the people, Jesus said, It shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so he said, consider us as servants, as under rowers, but also as stewards of the mystery of God. The Greek word that speaks of being a steward, it refers to someone who manages a household or an estate. And again, we think of a slave that was often in this position within the household. Think back to Joseph when he went to Egypt and was sold as a slave in the household of Potiphar. He became the head steward of that household. When things didn't work out well and he ended up being thrown into prison, being falsely uh, charged, he ended up being a steward within the prison itself. It's someone who manages the household or the estate. And as the stewards of Jesus Christ, they were to conduct themselves as if they were conducting themselves for the affairs of God. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. He said, we are stewards of the mystery of God. And we think about a mystery, perhaps we think of an unknown secret or something that is puzzling to us. According to the word of God, a mystery is a truth that is beyond human comprehension, but has now been revealed through the work of God and his Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2, 7, it says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. They were presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was a hidden mystery. If you look at the Old Testament, you find prophecies that point to Jesus's first coming. 330 prophecies has been counted in the Old Testament. Over 500 prophecies have been counted concerning his second coming, 330 concerning his first coming. But they were masked. They really didn't, the Old Testament prophets, they looked forward to the Messiah's coming, but they quite didn't understand all that God had intended for the Messiah to be. They didn't have a proper understanding of this. It was a mystery to them. And yet now that mystery being revealed through the person of Jesus Christ. For stewards, they are to be found faithful. A person's faithfulness could be viewed as either good or bad, depending on the value of the person or the thing in which they place their trust. And no matter in whom or what someone might place their trust, it is an individual's faithfulness toward Jesus Christ for which we will be judged. There are people in this world who put their faith, their trust, in things that are not worthy 
of having that faith or trust. When it comes down to it, we are going to be judged for our faithfulness towards Jesus Christ. It's a type of faithfulness that begins when a person places their trust in Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life. And once saved, it's a type of faithfulness that remains in the faith, growing to maturity within the faith, understanding that Jesus Christ himself is faithful and always remains faithful. In Hebrews 10.23, it tells us, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Hebrews 10.23. But also, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.13, even if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Jesus Christ will always remain faithful, even when we are without faith or we have our faith challenged. Jesus Christ always remains faithful. For a steward, it has been given that a steward should be found faithful. And then he speaks about not judging in verses 3 and 4. But with me, it is a small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. This thought of judging not. This Greek word, anakrino, is the Greek word that speaks about judge not, and it speaks about a judgment based on careful and detailed information to judge carefully or to evaluate a situation. Sometimes we have to admit, sometimes we judge just by sight. We don't have a lot of information about perhaps an individual, but we see them and instantly we judge them as perhaps being unrighteous or something bad. I did that once on our way to Ensenada, Mexico at a rest area about probably at this point, 30 miles over the border into Mexico uh, with the school of ministry and our families and probably four uh, vans that could hold about 15 people each. And we're all driving down there and I was driving and I was already on edge because I was driving a, a van that had a, a bad water pump. So it screamed all the way to Mexico and back. So I was just waiting for my van to break down on the way there or on the way back. So I was nervous the whole time. But we pulled up to this rest area and there was a motorcycle gang there. And I made sure Lily and the kids, all right, we're gonna go in here, we're gonna stop, we're gonna get in the bathroom, we're gonna get back to the safety of this van. There's bikers over here. And I ride a motorcycle. <laughs> and when I came out, our group was talking with the bikers. They were Christian bikers. There was nothing to be afraid of. Yes, they were in their black leathers and looking like bikers, but they loved the Lord. We ended up locked in a circle in hands, praying for one another as we were there in Mexico. Sometimes we judge by sight when our information is wrong. We don't have the information. And so Paul talks about this judgment here, and we know if we looked at Paul's history prior to coming to Christ, that he did many things to oppose Christ. But ultimately, Paul is stating that it's not 
how I'm judged by you or by a human court that counts. It's how I'm judged when I stand before the Lord. In several of his epistles, Paul defended his position as an apostle of Jesus Christ. He told the church of Ephesus in Acts 20, verses 29 through 31, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come among you, spurring not the flock. Also among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. So one way that they drew away the Lord's sheep was by defaming Paul and the other apostles. One way that they could gain followers, these who were not perhaps truly followers of Jesus Christ, was to tear down those who had come before them. And as a result, Paul's character being defamed, it brought about that desire to want to defend himself. And whether he tried, at times he did try to defend himself, or whether he remained silent over the issue, ultimately he knew that it was God who is judged. As a pastor, I've often received counsel when things kind of don't quite go as perhaps planned within a fellowship, that don't try to justify your position. Let the word of God speak, but remain silent on the issue. And sometimes I have to tell you, it's hard to remain silent. But I have discovered that often when I try to defend myself, I usually end up making things worse rather than better. And so sometimes silence is the best. And allow your actions and allow your conduct to speak and allow the word of God to work and to move in the hearts of individuals. God is judge. Paul did not care about man's opinion, but rather God's. And he strived to live a holy life. It's not that Paul did not care he strived, he said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I discipline my body, I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others that I myself should become disqualified. He cared about how he conducted himself before others. But he knew that it was God who justified, God who declares us righteous. In Romans 14, 4, it says, Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be able to stand, for God is able to make him stand. And as believers, we are all under the same household of faith through Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are not to judge our co-servants, our brothers and sisters, over the non-essentials of our faith. In Luke 6.37, Jesus said, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not. And you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. When judging others, we must remember that we are all sons and daughters of Adam with an inherent sin nature. To illustrate this, Jesus spoke of an obvious exaggeration by referring to our issues as having a plank in our eye when compared to looking at a speck in our brother's or sister's eye. Jesus said the solution in Matthew 7, 5 is to first remove the plank from your own eye and then you'll be able to clearly see to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Sometimes we're judging others and we forget to judge ourselves. 
God will judge, verses 5 through 6. Therefore, judge, krino, that Greek word, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. To judge, to separate or distinguish, and here in the New Testament it means to give an opinion after separating or considering the issues within a case. And although God's judgment is coming, Jesus has invited us to come to him in life-saving faith, to allow him to expose our deeds, to expel the darkness within us, to bring salvation, and to those who reject Jesus' offer of salvation will one day stand and be judged for their deeds, judged for their sins. They will be exposed on that day of judgment. Jesus said in Luke 18, 17, For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be made known and come to light. And although Jesus calls us the light of the world, in reality, Jesus Christ, according to John 1, 9, He is the true light who gives light to everyone coming into the world. His light reveals secrets, brings to light hidden things. That is both frightful and awesome to contemplate. To think of the light of Jesus Christ judging our hearts. It causes me to desire to want to remain faithful. Faithful to God faithful to my family, faithful to this fellowship that the Lord has called me to. And I hope that you have the same desire as well. May we each long to hear our Lord Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. We should each conduct ourselves as servants and stewards of Christ and stewards well, they are to be found faithful. We next find in verses 6 through 13, Paul mentions calling himself and Apollos fools for Christ. Reading from verses 6 through 13, it says, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against another. For who makes you different from another? And what do you have that you have not received? Now, if you did not receive it, why do you glory as if you have not received it? You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us, and indeed, I wish that you did reign and that we might reign with you. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last, as men condemned to die, for we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. Even to the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. We labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure it, being defamed, we entreat. 
We have been made as the filth of the world and the offscouring of all things until now. Fools for Christ. Paul reminds the Corinthians in verses 6 through 8, do not think beyond what is written. The Corinthians had formed factions under the various Christian leaders. Some saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I am of Christ. We read that in chapters 1 and 3. But Paul here called for them to learn from his and Apollos' example that they would not think beyond the counsel of God's word. Paul knew that such thoughts could lead to pride. He said to learn from us, that you would learn from us to come to this understanding, but not to go beyond what has been written. Not to go beyond what has been written could be in the letter itself or in the word of God itself. Don't go beyond what the Lord has already given us. We've all been saved by faith, so we have no reason to boast. When we begin to think of ourselves more highly than others, we need to remember that we are all sinners in need of our Savior, Jesus. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.